Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Pack Your Mics, the Top Chef program from the creators of Read It and Weep. Uh, coming to you live from the past, I'm Alex, joined in Los Angeles with Megan. Hey, buddy. Hello. And your little cup of Cheerios. Yeah. That's so fun. Um, also Just joining like us. a kid. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, Ezra and Sarah gave us this cup. That's true. Oh, it's just like they are your parents now. Yeah. Oh wait, wait. Uh, what? What? I don't. What cup is it? Yeah. No, I do not remember this at all. Um, it's it's clickety click. It's a little plastic cup with a bear on it. Oh, so is this when I gave? The, uh, I think that's maybe sometime I gave you the everything is meat uh, shirt, Alex. Yes. Or I only believe everything in meat. Is shirt, okay. Which does not, which no longer exists. But the the cups have lasted forever. All right. They're good for Cheerios. Glad <laughs> <laughs> to hear it. Um, those generous cup givers are joining us from Northern California. It's Ezra and Sarah, and in the background, the movie Totoro. Yeah, cat bus. <laughs> also joining us from Brooklyn, New York, it's Chris and Tanya. Hey, dudes! Yummy, 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 yummy! <laughs> yes, that's how we feed stuffing to everyone, including Emerald. Yes. <laughs> also uh, joining us in running out the panel in Los Angeles, it's New Sarah and Kyle. Hey, guys! Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> happy fake thanksgiving even oh, faker than before as One we of my all favorite... know it's thanksgiving everyone <laughs> yeah. nods slowly here we are in spain <laughs> my, my it's my favorite trope on top chef is them pretending it's thanksgiving and this shot where padma says happy thanksgiving and everyone looks at her weird and then laughs it's one of the best ones it's one of the best instances of that of them all remembering it's thanksgiving I, I, I like it so much. I want to go through and like pick out the five least genuine happy Thanksgivings in this episode because <laughs> it was said 20 plus times, but a few are just a little bit juicier. Four out of uh, five, Danny Cowan. <laughs> I also quite enjoyed uh, when there was a fake uh, Halloween party where they had to do like May and then they were all in costume at a Halloween party. That was fun. With uh, uh, Glee's Leah Michelle. Oh, with with exactly. alleged unfriendly cast member Leah Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> um, I hope it's not true. Uh, so it is Thanksgiving in Top Chef world. But before we do that, it's time for hot dumps from around the world with our quick fire <laughs> challenge. <laughs> Making specialized dumplings from one of the countries based on the big board of knives, which uh, is not quite the knife block, but. You gotta love the big board of knives, right? I yeah, don't like it as much. No. Well, the labels are right on it is the problem. You're taking random chance out of it. It's just sort of what people are picking. Oh I my god. Actually... Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say CJ had such an advantage because yeah. he was so tall he could reach he over everyone. That's yeah, why that's what he took Norway. Yeah, he went straight <laughs> for the one that everyone knew. Oh, that's so true. Um I I, I think it would have been fun if they took the names off the knives, but it was still on a map without... Lo- so you had to actually... Like, do I know where Norway is? Is this Kazakhstan? And then that's how you'd end up with it. Oh, wait. Oh. CJ didn't do Norway. He did pierogi. That's right. Bart, oh. the other tall guy, did Nor- Norway. Oh, that's true. Uh, Norway. Wait, po- Alex, if I could add on to yours, though. If you get them all right, you get a trip anywhere in the lower 48 states. Is it a Commerce San Diego thing? No, no. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, I forgot. Right. Thank it's you. It's the grand prize. Yeah. Is that really what it was? Was it anywhere in the lower 48 states? Yeah, it's it's California or Florida pretty much all the time. That's so specific. It's a cheap. lot more desirable, you know, 20 years ago than right yeah, now. Yeah, no kidding. Um, uh, but 
Yeah, just D- Disney parks for Carmen San Diego kids. I don't remember that. That's very yeah, fun. Yeah, sometimes they go to you know, visit their grandparents in like Maine. But other than that, it's pretty much... CJ also did a fun tall thing where he was um, when they were finishing prep and they were putting stuff on those rolling carts. All of CJ's food was on the highest cart. He was like hiding his food in the top cabinet so no one could touch it. And he I know we're slide it in without wrapping it around. It just like goes through the top. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also, oh, I know man. we're skipping ahead, but it was it was also pretty funny. He was like, "Yeah, I chose to oversee the group." I was like, "Oh, did yeah. you?" <laughs> I'm sure everyone appreciated you just checking in. Yeah, looming. (laughs) Yeah, uh, or in in many cases, looking down on people. Um, So let's let's go back though. So we got this uh, the hot dumps of the world challenge um, featuring guest judge Dana Cowan, the then editor in chief of Food and Wine, Um, long time editor in chief. Yeah, a long time, like 20 years editor in chief. Um, That was fun. Uh, Would you guys have? Okay, so here's my question. So we have what are 16 dumplings here today? Yep. How many of these dumplings have you tried? Oh, Who God. has the most dumplings from this group? It's surely oh. not me. I was about to say it's not me either. I wouldn't say that I'm a dumpling connoisseur. Oh, I I mean, certainly I've had uh, uh, pierogi. Had pierogi. Sure. And I've had um, Samoas. Samoas does. I've also had Girl Scout cookies. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> If you fold them into a different Girl Scout cookie, that is also a dumpling. That's true. <laughs> you fry them. <laughs> Batter and fry them. Yeah. Wait, so so a deep fried Oreo from the from the state fair in Texas counts as a dumpling? Actually, yeah, I have a friend who is like basically really uh, like has a very expansive uh, like title of dumpling basically, where it's just like like a hot pocket is a dumpling. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It basically, if you have a if you have a, a sealed dough with a thing in it, that's a dumpling. Uh-huh. I that's a this is a fun this is way more fun than whether a thing is a sandwich. Yeah, this is um, this, 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 uh, this is this is Kathy. So uh, yeah, I would like very much if on that board there was one over America and it was Hot Pocket. <laughs> that would have been really funny. Um, but yeah, I think those are the only two that I've had on here. The Korean dumpling, I think I have. I think that's like that's a freebie for our uh, like. There's like a uh when we get bibimbap from the place we go to i think they like they toss in one of those for free which is nice a mandu oh that's cool i like that a lot um it was also fun to see Fu- uh, fufu make an appearance i had forgotten that that had appeared yeah before, it got, yeah, yeah, it before, before it, we got familiar with fufu at all and unfortunately yeah. carla and her kindle could not help us get there oh god <laughs> oh, her, her first generation fire. kindle fire slash injured hand really could not so, type yeah so the chefs uh they have to they grab a knife from the board which tells them which dumps are going to make and then they don't know them and so they are given 10 minutes to look at a first generation kindle fire and google this and, uh, and they don't get a stylus and you don't get a stylus even if your hand is in a, a cloth lobster claw you're, you're just pinching and zooming so ineptly on, on like <laughs> a non-mobile friendly uh version yeah. of wikipedia i felt so bad enjoy yeah. that silk browser mm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this uh, just reminded me that we had thought Kindles could do stuff other than books earlier, and yeah, I, that was that, that was a hilarious idea. They like, can it help you lose a, a challenge. They absolutely can do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it definitely has the refresh rate of the uh, actual Kindles. This, this was such a poor uh, little bit of spawn kind of watching them struggle to work on these tabs. But yeah, you know what they um, could have done? There could have been just like, hey guys, we have this chef's uh, like encyclopedic book of dumplings. Go to any page in that cookbook. Real good. 
Yeah. Oh, that would sure. Be- yeah. Like bookmark your foo-foo or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Bookmark your foo-foo, people. Bookmark your foo-foo is the thing we always say on the show. Um, uh, let's see. Some highlights from the uh, Dumpling Challenge uh, were Kristen. Uh, wait, no. Sorry. We're, I nope. lost. Nope. Uh, we're, we're, oh, Josie. I'm so sorry. We're Josie, uh, Stefan, and Micah, um, which of those, it seemed like Stefan was the only one who actually knew what he was making. Yeah. Um, Micah did not know that Kazakhstan was a real place. So that he thought was it was a, a joke from Borat. He really did. And that Whoopsie. is fine. Um, yeah. <laughs> Josie, Stefan, and Micah, um, three of the more insufferable people in this season. I would say, yeah, one of the, Micah's more like the quiet, insufferable type. That's the fun. Yeah, opinion. I feel like he's like villain in training, not quite actually there. Yeah, yet. yeah. He's, 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 you know what he is? He's baby malarkey making a list. He certainly bigs he himself up quite baby a bit. Malarkey. Well, he, yeah, so his thing is executive chef at 21, and he mentions it in every conversation, and it's not actually that great. Like the well, thing about like being executive chef at 21 is you learn everything. Yeah, he is? like can't stop mentioning that he skipped a grade, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. like guys, 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 guys. Remember, I you know I skipped fourth grade, so I'm actually younger than all of you. Has anyone here skipped a grade? Sarah, raise your hand. Sort of. Sort. Sarah, sort of. Sort Sarah, of. Sarah skipped, and then I think later unskipped. Yeah. <laughs> they, they Wait, so which, which year did you not do, and which year did you do twice so as a replacement? It was because I went from an from I went into a Montessori school. And oh. they, they place you at different levels. So I was placed at a level in that school that was higher than my age. But then Wait, so when you went I from left, like third grade to like light blue tree and then like, like back. To was, yeah, grade. exactly. I went from kindergarten to, um, wait, yes. Kindergarten to second grade equivalent. Okay. Oh, that seems aggressive. That's a yeah, <laughs> but it was it was a small. It made sense, and but then when I left Montessori yeah, and went to regular transfer. school, they were like, um, "You're too young for sixth grade, so you're going to fifth grade." And I was like, "All right." Credits <laughs> didn't transfer. Yeah, this was my brush with that was far smaller, but uh, I I I skipped uh, one of the elementary school years of band and tested into the <laughs> higher one, Ooh. and then. I had to repeat it the next year because they didn't have any more. Chris, I feel like we're like part of the same club now. Yeah. The the fake skipping and then just back where we started. Being demoted. I like took a calculus class at a a community college in high school and then got to Whitman and they were like, "Uh, you should take this higher calculus class. And I was like, trust me, I didn't learn anything in that (laughs) class. And you're like, no, go do the higher class. And it start, the first day was a quiz. It was like 15 questions. And I couldn't read them. Like, I had no idea what the questions oh, no. were. And I did not go back to that. Yeah. And my, the, it seems like an easy drop there. And my <laughs> advisor, who was a math professor, never spoke to me again. That was the what? end of he your buddy. So your advisor broke up with you? He did. He was so bummed when I dropped math. That seemed uh. like bias. I, I'm like, are <laughs> It was like the old, we had nothing in common when we talked except when I told him I was taking that math class and I and then we after I dropped it he was like you'll be fine and then no, we never spoke. Again. I get it because like he thought you were like his goodwill hunting but actually you're just like the mop basically. <laughs> just the mop. <laughs> you could have been a mop at any school in the country. Why did you choose Harvard? And I was like I'm a mop. <laughs> That's not really a choice. Um, in the bottom, uh, Carla's West African foo-foo that was just a giant Italian dumpling-esque. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, it might have been rough. Fufu. It might have been foo-foo just 
covered in marinara. <laughs> like it, it sort of had, it definitely probably had the worst texture when actually eating, but it was like a fluffyish yellow creation. But she it was also the size of your head. She should have yeah. just said, like, look, I'm making a calzone. Like, that's 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 that's, 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 that's Italian dumpling. Oh, yeah, perfect. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, also in the bottom, tragically, Brooke and Kaneko. Um, yeah. Kaneko, especially sad for not serving anything. All right, didn't so just, yeah. a question about Brooke. <laughs> I didn't think her – I thought her dumpling looked kind of good. Like, is oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is so she the, the essential? Problem. Yeah. Okay. So For just to Dana, Dana follows a similar definition to of dumpling to as his friend, and yeah. if there's not a dough wrapper around it, ain't no dumpling. Yeah. To catch people up. Brooke was uh, making um, an Indonesian dumpling, but there, but the kitchen ran out of flour. She was the last one to the flour, and there was none. There wasn't a backup flour. There wasn't like a rice flour. There's just nothing. Do you think so that she was made intentional because how could they not have enough flour on a this dumpling? Is, yeah. yeah, this how is could you not have enough flour in the top chef kitchen is also just like a like yeah. is that like that does Me. seem like trickery. I think this some people pre-COVID too, there was enough flour in the world. Yeah. Is it not like each using a bag of flour for their dumpling? For their one dumpling? Yeah. Well uh, they have like sixteen bags of flour. Like one per competitor. Like you don't want to use all your flour because then like you don't have I, I it's baffling. It doesn't make any sense to me at all. And in fact, the fact that she made um, an Indonesian meatball that was as delicious as it was, I think should put her in the top. That she didn't choose not to have flour, and she made a really good filling for her dumpling. Nobody said it wasn't delicious, but I think for the rules of the challenge, you know, she couldn't be in the top for that. You can't punish someone for not making dough if you don't have flour. That's so crazy. Alex, it's a quick fire. It does not matter. It doesn't matter, but it's still upsetting. I'm mad on behalf of Brooke, even Wait, though I know things turn out okay. Can we like can we push this uh, metaphor further? So like basically anything that has like a, a wrapper all the way around it, that's a dumpling. Anything that doesn't have a, any wrapper, that's a meatball. Anything that has like half a wrapper is a pizza. So like that's that's, so our, that's all the food our, in the world. People are technically dumplings, and tacos are technically pizzas. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not sealed, so yeah. <laughs> It's possible. It's just a folded over pizza. Um, and a sandwich yeah, like is just two pizzas stacked, you know, inside. <laughs> oh, yeah. Together. Two, two pizzas kissing. <laughs> this is rough. This is rough. Has, wait, As, so I don't love it. Be, does it have to be gluten or or could it be like, is a sausage a meat dumpling? Oh, God. I don't <laughs> like where this is going. I don't love any of this. We are moving Ezra, on. Ezra can't yeah, talk right else? now. Tears oh, wait, are no, streaming down his face. <laughs> I love this world I've created. Ezra, look so at beautiful. What? Look at the world wow. you've created for yourself. It's so good. Technically, guys, a sausage is a meatball wrapped in a thinner meatball. <laughs> That's true. In a thin meat pizza. So, uh, oh, no. <laughs> So okay, so definitely justice for Brooke, but it does not end up mattering. Although Kaneko is a glimpse of what it has come and is continuing to come of not being um, on the side of the clock. And then everyone else made a bunch of dumplings that are all fine, including notably Tyler does not appear on this quickfire. We do not know what he grabbed. We do not see see him talk. We do not see his dumpling. There's still he a lot of not, chefs on the TV, dude. Like so many chefs on the TV that Tyler just got cut from this half of the episode. Mm. Um, he comes up also, later. 
yeah he has has, like we know he we know he didn't like get disappeared or something (laughs) it's not like someone came and like put a bag over his head yeah Yeah, he's all right um Um, the only other thing i want to say about the quick fire is that padma brings back the cummerbund for exactly no reason and it uh, looks great oh my god okay so here's actually a thought that i had that that like i wanted the group's perspective on um since i like to think of us as a fashion podcast so i think Padma's clothes in general are, are pretty good. Um, but I think her hair is is notably bad this season. And I wondered if anyone Wild. else has that. We the, paused yeah. the opening credits because Sarah's like, what happened to her hair it was, when she yeah. Yeah. money? It's so crunchy. It's these giant, very crunchy curls. No one did a little finger comb and separated them. Mm-hmm. I, it's so wild. Anyway. Can I ask I, a related like... stupid question first? Hmm. Um, okay. Which is like, when they go from the quick fire to the elimination, her hair changes so drastically. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Is that, does that mean that like they leave and then she sits in a, she has to like go to the cha- hair chair for like hours. It seems so different. Well, it's that the she next would spend day, right? Well, she, I guess that's right. She does it. She, she announces it and then they cook and then the next day she's there, but still this yeah. seems like her percentage of her time in the hair chair would be very high. Yeah. Percentage of time in the glam situation is, is a lot probably. Yeah. But I, I agree, Sarah, that like somehow the directive this season felt like it was like big, bouncy, like almost like Farah level waves. Like, and I'm not sure why. Um, um, yeah. It, yeah. First, I, she clearly had a stylist for that season that was different than some other well, seasons. But I, I'm not to not to be weirdly insider about this, but I do know somebody who used to work uh for the, the Bravo TV and oh. they talked about how Padma well you know a totally lovely person was also extremely particular about the way she was represented um in anything like to do with Top Chef which makes total sense right like she used to be a model she knows all about how to manage her image like I would expect nothing less of her so I don't get the impression that they just like shoved her off on like Suzy Q stylist no, this no, no, season no, no, no. and yeah. they all agreed that like her hair would be enormous for absolutely no reason well, like I'm sure and, she had a yeah she had a, a role in that but I don't I, I why yeah it, but let's remember you know 10 years ago is 10 years ago and there are little micro trends that people try out yeah for things no and, that's true and there is such a thing as like tv hair where like more yeah. is just yeah. better always yeah and so yeah. when you look like you are 50 percent hair for some reason that looks good on television it does so the the 10 years ago is going to be my question so do you think you would have do you remember feeling similarly at the time or do you think you would have felt similarly at the time you know what i honestly can't say um because as we discussed before my memory's just hard to delete after yeah. a couple of weeks uh-huh. but it, it's I'm actually sure good for privacy you have time. a good privacy policy yeah, I'm sure I probably liked it at the time, though, because like um, not to bring this up in every conversation I ever have, but we did just watch the OC and <laughs> watching that again and looking with fresh eyes at things that I genuinely thought were the coolest things you could put on your body at the time. It's like, you know, hindsight is is truly something. And Padma yeah. still looks gorgeous. She still has like the hair of an angel, but mm-hmm. it just is it was it's just so wild that stands out to me so much when like her clothes i feel like have have aged really well yeah i, ha- I yeah. have Elle's uh 10 hairstyle trends from fall 2012 okay uh, <laughs> anyone want to so it looks like perfect ponytails Ooh. Um, okay bangs blondes sure. hair ornaments hair uh-huh. ornaments Tell me more about hair ornaments. Uh, it looks like, I don't know, Sarah, like, 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 a, like a, a star yeah. constellation. She's uh, got like a fancy clip. Like, like, <laughs> you get like oh. a, a fairs, but better, maybe? 
Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, buns, braids, and twists. Yep. Uh, perfectly. Wait, how could not be? How, wait, wait. This is top ten, but that one's got three in it. Yeah. It's just like all no. the kinds of ways you could put your hair up. It's fine. Yeah. I'm sure. And as are these all backed up with runway pictures? Yes. Yeah. Well, they're not. Keep I going. can't see where. Like they aren't currently walking because it's only a headshot. But I'm pretty sure. No, no, no. That means they took the pictures backstage before the models walked. But uh, yes. thanks. Uh, Buffons. Uh-huh. Uh, oh gosh. Yeah. yeah. See, this is yeah. Rich chocolates, cool reds, uh, bobs. And deep side parts. Mm. Oh, uh, that's 2012 fall. Yeah, I think. I mean, what I, if I if I'm trying to cast my mind back? It to me, it feels as though we went for this like big high drama, like glamour wave situation, and then that slowly progressed into beachy waves, which was basically just like relaxing the hair down a little bit. Uh, and but also, I feel like Padma's grab bag of hair looks is is a little bit its own thing, and like doesn't necessarily always adhere to trends yeah I and just, she is very willing to give herself bangs oh at, yeah at yeah. any old time yeah is yeah that, okay so same dumb question from before can you just like add bangs and then take them away yes yes there's little there's pieces you can put in yeah oh, i mean and also okay. it's yeah i mean she's wearing extensions anytime you see her like that's that's uh, also just a given like she's not uh, that's not all her hair okay that makes way more sense then yeah. wait could, um, could you do like sort of like like the the blood doping type thing where it is all her hair but from before, oh, so she took she she trimmed her hair and made extensions so that her extensions were always her own. Mm. I'm just wondering if well, there's people are doing. Yeah. I mean, I guess no. if you wanted to be like a a a resource for your own extensions, you could. I think it, it would be a real labor intensive process. But well, also as I do want to point out though that these trends then are um, way ahead of their time because it was not actually fall, which you wouldn't know from the thanksgiving challenge that we're moving on to next uh it's technically july 2012 yeah. probably but we're about well, to pretend talk about because... a segue alex yeah. falcone everybody Woo! one day they'll be good enough that you won't have to call them out because it'll just work no um, i liked it but um anyway so it's it is it is te- it is fall 2012 and uh, it's time for thanksgiving and this is it's a it's a thing that I always like on Top Chef, but I think this is one of the more fun setups for a Thanksgiving challenge. So Emeril and Tom are brought into the kitchen and they each head up a team making their sort of traditional version of Thanksgiving. So they're a little bit executive chefing, but they're also letting the chefs um, giving the chefs um, enough giblets to hang themselves. So uh, Emeril's team is making just a, a, a classic fun Creole Thanksgiving and Tom's is a modern Italian Thanksgiving um, and you must include your own turkey. Them's the rules uh, you're they're cooking for um, the organization fair start a Seattle nonprofit mm-hmm. that trains um, uh, the unhoused to work in culinary fields. And they're also cooking for chef hat. Uh, uh, I've eaten at Yuri. his restaurant. You have, I was going to, my question. So he, he is the uh, chef owner of luck bistro and Lule kitchen and bar in Seattle. Um, which I one ate did you at go Rovers, to? which is no longer open. Oh. Um, but that was like his his fine dining place. Um, it was my uncle's birthday, so oh, cool. like my dad's side of the family got together and and had this dinner here. And and uh, Chef Terry like came out and said like talked to us, and it was a very delightful man. He was wearing his hat. Um, he was yeah. So his hat is uh, his website is chefinahat.com so yeah. he definitely oh, the hat is not incidental to his appearance it's like his thing and it was like super fancy uh french food and this is a notable night because it was the last night i ate meat 
Um, oh, it was like so a fancy, it for you. Well, it, no, it was a fancy French tasty menu. And I was at college and I had already started eating vegetarian. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm just going to keep doing this. But I had this opportunity to eat this like beautiful, lavish French tasting sure. menu. And I was like, bring me every type of meat. So I did, I did the whole tasting menu. And I was so sick afterwards because I hadn't been eating oh. meat. And it was all this like rich, like protein bombs. Nothing to do with the food itself. This was all me. But I was like, what a way to go. It was <laughs> oh, no, your the body meat farewell make. tour. Yeah. <laughs> My body firmly said, this is no longer for you. <laughs> was was this uncle your Harry Potter world uncle? Or is this a different uncle? No, his younger brother. His younger brother. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. A um, magical family. Yeah, is, wait, his younger brother into like, I don't know, uh, Tolkien or something like that? Or? Well, they're all into Tolkien. It's a family. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. Chef in a Hat, by the way, also, if you are interested in uh, supporting him, he sells fragrances on his website. So, Ooh, are they food, <laughs> really? food smells? They are not food smells. Uh. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, they're just, I guess, I didn't actually read, but they have the hat logo. Let huh. me see. This is good because you know how fancy restaurants always have fancy bathrooms? That's true. It's probably some fancy soap. It's got his own, own little hat logo on his fancy soap. Yeah, it yeah. does. It does come fancy soap as an option. I was going to um, say the soap part. Yeah, I guess you know, cut out the Lalabo, and then you can just use your own supply well, at so much lower the, prices. The smell. The the men men's fragrance is green tea and bergamot, and the women's tea is, or the women's smell is fig and citrus notes. So technically, those are food smells. Yeah, like they're also soap smells, but. I mean, if you look at like ha- like our our uh, our soap is like oatmeal and honey. Like, definitely most of the things I wash myself with sound delicious. So that could include his. Anyway, you can buy his Chef Hat fragrances at chefandahat.com. All right. So the red team's cooking Italian. The uh, gray team is cooking uh, Creole. Which of these meals, uh, off the just discussion, the the description, the way the chefs planned them out, which one sounds more fun? Which one do you want to eat? Creole, not the alloy. Yeah, Creole. Yeah, I, yeah multiple I like bread. The bread pudding, the stuff, yeah. cornbread stuffing, yeah. all the spices. Like, I, I'd rather have all of those things, even with an undercooked turkey. Yeah. Um, actually, since well, since you're uh, since you're more so so familiar with this cuisine, how do you feel about your kale and chard with ham hocks being a little toothsome? Or I think do you like it. Do you like it melted into goo? I'm not a big collards fan in general because like it's either too chewy or it's too gooey. Yeah. So I think like each choosing goos, man. Both states are sort of like not what I'm looking for. Uh so I don't think like I don't I don't think Sheldon deserved to get dragged that hard for just not Weird. cooking enough. Yeah, it's, it especially yeah, and yeah, I and feel he, like he he did it to the level that he would want it to be on the chew factor, and it sounded like his yeah. chew factor is pretty well aligned with like my chew factor. Yeah, also Padma and Kyle's was like this factor. is the right amount of chew factor for me. So yeah, yeah. Um, and would you can work? you you know that it's Padma and not an imposter because she uses chew factor identification. <laughs> That's pretty good. I like that. Um, I was going to say, like, what if they just like serve on the side, just like there's a bunch of trident, uh, you know, uh, like so you can just like add as much chew or take away as much chew as you want, right? So just like you know what, oh, like trident some, gum, yeah, oh, okay, uh, yeah, yep. yeah, or or big league if you prefer, because that's oh, a little, yeah, little, yeah. Like, you know, little bit, yeah, just, yeah, just like it's like sort of like a little like just like you just dust it on top, uh, table side presentation. I feel like putting him actually in the bottom was just like 
look, we need someone to fill out this group because there yeah. was not. It's it, clearly it really, generally well liked. There um, were there were worse things in that yeah. meal, right? Uh, well, uh, I mean, yeah, the other, I mean, the 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 other three bottoms were all worse, and then the other things that were in that meal seemed like generally pretty good. No one yeah. was mad about the other things, so there's just nothing else to put down there. Um, yeah. Also, Brooks dessert. biscuits, though. Oh my god! Yeah. Um. Yeah. The, the things that should should would have been winners had the team been on the top are Brooks uh, sweet potato biscuit that everybody loved, and that um, pecan pie bread pudding. Oh, oh. I wanted oh. that, please. Sounds so <laughs> yes, good. That oh. looks beautiful. I love a bread pudding. Um uh and uh yeah, so the so the 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 failures were Josie's um triple spiced, barely cooked turkey, uh <laughs> yeah. Tyler's andouille and shrimp gumbo with a side of bitterness, and Kaniko's raw under seasoned potato pave, um, plus Sheldon's undercooked uh, or his choice cooked kale. Um I, I guess the, I mean, the main, so let's talk about, let's jump into the main drama from the losing team, which is the Josie experience. So if you weren't already used to it, get used to Josie being in the bottom and then having to explain why and having some, uh, being surprised that anything is not perfect. But this is, uh, also the, the first time where in a season the immunity ruined the day for everybody. So Josie was, oh, yes. got immunity in her hot dumps and then, um, used it in the elimination challenge well but the way she explained that she was going to use it should have rung some alarm bells for everybody because she was like i'll take the main part of this like meal that we're all cooking as a team and i'll just take a risk with it and then if it goes badly i have immunity so that won't be a problem and it's like wait girl this is a team challenge yeah so if, if you ruin the meal one of us is going. Yeah, on. like why not make a lousy dessert and let somebody else do the turkey who like cares a lot? Like why why would you take the biggest part of the like the centerpiece of the meal and be like, I don't know, maybe it could be a swing and a miss. Doesn't matter to me. Like that doesn't make point. any sense whatsoever. Oh, that's such a good point. I didn't even think about that. But yeah, you're taking the focal point of the meal that apparently because Tom said the reason they're on the bottom is this turkey, which I may be a little skeptical of because some of the other things were pretty bad. But the the fact that it could lose the meal for you does not feel like you're taking a risk. It feels like you are like the other team's futures are at stake and yours is not. The way I saw it stack up was like I thought they enjoyed more of Emerald's like Thanksgiving spread. But yeah, because they prefer like, to Cajun Thanksgiving. Absolutely. Yeah, they, all the all the things below those like top three worst were like things they genuinely enjoyed but then looking at it like the main courses were clearly messed up so like that it couldn't win for having like the centerpiece of the meal be that butt yeah (laughs) what were you gonna say megan Oh, well, I mean, Kyle just sort of answered my yeah. question, which was it like I was a little bit confused when Tom said that the turkey was the reason why they were there because it seemed like the Italian Thanksgiving was sort of like more even overall. Uh, maybe they didn't like as many things as much, but they I d- it didn't seem like there was as many failures. Um, and it seemed like I was a little skeptical that the turkey threw it off but i but i like that explanation that makes sense to me totally and the 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 idea of there's that moment that even when she said when josie says i have immunity so and then and then uh, emerald goes so you're gonna take some risks like he that's not the way she was doing it she was like i'm gonna duck away and not 
try to be anything important. Like it was weird. It's such a weird answer for immunity and and such an unfortunate way that it messed up the team. I don't it, know. I think I mean I think turkeys are notoriously hard and you also have to put them in the food ruiner, which is, you know, yeah. that's true. Rough. That was the that's the main problem is that she was having issues with the food ruiner. So So I can understand her perspective of you know, yeah. I mean, first of all, they're all chefs. And so wanting to have like sort of the main dish is, you know, uh, that's understandable. And point then pride. Yeah. Yeah. Point of pride. And then secondly, it is uh, just a notoriously challenging thing to cook. And I, I could understand why, you know, her reasoning that, okay, I have immunity. Let me take this thing that could go really wrong. Yeah. I, but the fact that it could, it's like the anchor that could bring the whole thing down is, is, so interesting um do you guys think that part of why it went so bad besides the food ruiner do you think it was because like tom's idea was a lot of butter under the skin and emerald thought you should put it all in the butt do you think that mattered i I, listen i think emerald was was being funny with his language um i think absolutely he was referring to putting butter under the skin i think think so was i um yeah uh very funny the way he said that um also tom said there was three pounds of butter under the skin which is so much butter how much was the turkey you know like if it was a they were big birds they are big birds i was just gonna ask the group like how does everyone feel about turkey just overall like as not not sliced turkey obviously like specifically big turkey thanksgiving time like is everybody is it does everyone come from a turkey family do we all love turkey as this bird you eat twice a year and it's always problematic whoops i accidentally <laughs> shared my feelings <laughs> i um, haven't eaten turkey in a while, but a I have time. fond fond memories of the turkey. I'd say I have not eaten turkey in a long time, and I do not have a lot of fond memories of it. It's never my favorite part of it, and I would argue that America doesn't like turkey, as evidenced by the fact that there's no other day of the year where they're like, you know, what we could go for tonight a roast turkey. I just don't think it's a. I think it's a thing that only works because of the day. So you're like, oh, I like it. I like mm. it because of memories, not because I actually enjoy this food item. It just seems like a hard bird to nail. And so only doing it twice a year means that every time you do it, the stakes are pretty flipping high. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I My relationship with turkey has evolved over the years as like it started as something that seemed obligatory. But like I think there's a different relationship with the turkey in like the south and sort of Midwest because like everyone's obsessed with deep frying their turkey where I grew up. Like that became the thing. Mm. Once everyone got comfortable enough trying to deep fry their Turkey, it was like, I love Turkey on Thanksgiving. Once they figured out how to Mm. not blow it up. Yeah. The, the sort of like managing both like the, the safety mitigating the safety risk, but also like figuring out how to do that in a way like everyone loves fried Turkey. Mm. Uh, Interesting. And sort of going from like roasting to figuring out how to fry it. And then maybe like having like a friend of a friend who like, they just fry like, a couple dozen turkeys the week of thanksgiving to like help out like to basically because they have the rig that normally you would hoist an engine block in and that lets yeah. them lower it down into the bucket of hot oil That's yeah so true <laughs> that is um, such a good way to do it and then also my dad started smoking uh turkeys uh, oh. that, that's another that's the sort of thing that's like terrible for you but it's a very mellow very satisfying. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just the thing like turkeys aren't meant to be cooked in food ruiners. There's so many yeah. like better ways to cook turkeys that'll make it taste better, but and you need like, a very, yeah, you need a very specific piece of equipment and setup to make it that way. 
Mm, well, yeah, respect for sure. And I would say if we actually like if the, the there's a theme to both teams today, it's that Thanksgiving as a meal really is a butter meal. Butter is the foundation of this meal. Yes. Butter and cream, as they should be. <laughs> yeah. Um, like with CJ's uh, turkey, it was because there's so much butter in it. Uh, and then Lizzie, also on the top for mashed potatoes, that um, Dana said seemed like it was close to being one-to-one butter to potato. Oh, um, Sarah and I loved that uh, that interview uh, at Judge's Table afterwards with Lizzie and Dana, where it's just like, Dana asks a question, and then Lizzie's just like, Yes. And then just like ask another question. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I didn't know we had Lizzie on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> the pod chef Lizzie. Great get. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so fun. Uh, um, I believe the uh, one of the, the um, food detectives I was reading about suggested that her recipe was actually about one third butter to potato, oh. but still Which a lot. Is still a lot of butter but that's like that's the star of this show everyone's like the only the way you make turkey work is you put in the most possible butter the way you make potatoes good is the most possible butter this is a good butter day yeah should we try um, to go in the other direction where it's just like look let's just start with like a pound of butter and just put in like you know, a quarter potato in the middle of it and see what happens just just shove a turkey up the butter's ass yeah exactly well, I, I would say arguably uh brooke made a compound butter and uh, delighted true. the judges with her biscuits and, and butter. So shove things in uh, butter. Go the other way. It's true. That is true. Um, on the top of this challenge to go to the more positive side. So CJ's very successful turkey. Um, and uh, Carla's winning with was Carla's carrot soup that uh, Tom was expecting cabbage soup because he's not a great listener. Um, and uh, Lizzie's mashed potatoes. So. Yeah. Let's talk about the Carla experience now, since we got to talk about the Josie experience a little bit. How did well, everybody feel about about Carla? So there was a little flare up, uh, just for the listeners who who didn't see this episode or weren't rewatching along with us, um, where CJ and Stefan tasted her in progress soup, where it was basically the Trinity and, and some other stuff in it, but not totally seasoned. And they just tasted it. They they weren't talking, they weren't whatever. And Carla seemed from the edit to suddenly fly off the handles you know yelling at them not to taste it because it hasn't been seasoned yet and they said we weren't talking about it we just tasted it you know what's going on and she seemed to fly off the handle in her two camera interview she mentioned that you know she didn't like being second guessed by men or the appearance of being second guessed by men because women in the kitchen have to fight so hard and all this um and the two camera interview stefan was a complete knob about it so yeah yeah get used to that as well boy stefan has never found never had an interview opportunity that he couldn't um <laughs> sound like a knob in yeah boy howdy he had stefan is like so if we think of this season as like a villain race um mm. stefan pulled out a, way ahead today i think with both um i left europe because european women are so Oof. talkative i guess yeah and then um oh. <laughs> uh what was the other one uh I can't remember. He said something else really awful. Um, Just look for L uh, L Magazine's top 10 worst uh, Stefan lines in fall 2012. (laughs) (laughs) Of fall 2012, allegedly. Yeah, anyway, he had a couple of just real, uh, really terrible ones. Um, I, the the tasting of her suit, like, like, this is a team challenge, allegedly, but it's individual dishes, and no one appointed CJ 
and Stefan, the heads of that organization. Nope. Um, and so it does seem incredibly condescending to walk up to another chef doing their own work and just tasting their food without their permission. And then like wh- whether or not you had a chance to give them feedback it was a weird move to just be like, I'm just seeing what your soup is like. Like you're not, if Tom did it great, you know, but CJ doesn't just have the right to taste your soup all the time. No, I felt like, real gross about him. Well, we talked about the, like the masterful pun of him overseeing everything, yes. but it also seemed like he took that role on by his own choice instead of like some group decision. So like, yeah. I, I can only imagine what the entire cook was like with Stefan and CJ having this sort of like status play of like them being the veterans and having their own bickering that was right. Shown. But like not right. engaging with everyone else, like just seeing them as like the overseers and not actually like it, it was disrespectful. And I can only imagine like doing that for two days would have led anyone to a sort of boiling point like that. And then and then tossing out um, honey and sweetie and, and stuff to get like it seems like maybe CJ just tasted it, but Stefan also like spoke condescendingly to her about it. And and her her thing that ever that women are called sweetie and men are called chef is like an incredibly important point. Let me just jump in actually here with um let me bring in um just a little hint of the mailbag. Um so Catherine on Facebook wrote in about this. Um I'm so uncomfortable with the narrative we're getting with Carla. They show her talking about her struggles as a woman in a sexist industry and in society in general. Um, going so far as to say that Stefan, to Stefan, you don't like my voice. And then they give us an edit about how we shouldn't like her voice uh, because yeah. she's a woman who's loud, because she's a woman who talks a lot. She's a woman who doesn't back down just because the men around her think she should be quiet. That fact uh, is, in fact, genuinely disruptive. The fact that she's, in fact, generally disruptive at times complicates matters, but it doesn't excuse the great big yikes that is her edit here. Bad form elves. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a great point. <laughs> yeah, that's ex- I, super well said. Um, that I think that they made it, they made us think, it made it like we were supposed to laugh at how obnoxious she was instead of being like, man, everyone is being so shitty to her and needs to stop. Yeah, I mean, I think this is the elves looking for a kooky character in the cast, you know, because yeah. we don't really, we've got a villain in Stefan, uh, uh, kind of villain in CJ, you know, we've got the John Tezar experiment or experience rather. Um, but we don't have like a, you know, a silly music sort of character the way that we do sometimes. And so yeah, I think that's true. The trying to we're definitely looking for, Hey, it's this Italian woman. She's loud. Look at her go. And like, okay. But know? like, she also cooked this incredible soup that blew the judges away. No, exactly. And we like, saw that should be almost the story. nothing of her process. We didn't watch her cooking the soup. We only watched Stefan looking down at her for her soup. Yeah, no, absolutely. Right. And I have to say that, like, the, 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 I don't know what, I was going to say, like, the naming convention issue in the kitchen with women versus men is something that we continue to struggle with all the way into the current season in yes. uh, Last Chance Kitchen when we have that moment where, um, absolutely, oh, I'm not remembering which it chef was, it, it was. It was Karen. Um, yeah, so it was, it was right, Karen. Yeah. They call me chef. Yeah, they call, yeah. Me, call me chef. Um, yeah, which is, I think it just demonstrates that this sort of what feels like casual and like, I think can often get mislabeled as like, no, I'm just being friendly by calling you dear or whatever is actually super disrespectful. And and and, the, and the fact that you look surprised when she points out that that's disrespectful does not help your case. 
Right. That's not right. like, oh, oh, you never thought of it. Well, then you're fine. Like, you right. should have no. Right. Or, it, oh, I know. I just I was just trying never... to be friendly. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, uh, a little bit more from Catherine. Actually, I just want to continue on to the uh, some thoughts about Josie since we're talking about the big the, the villain mm. competition. I know they're getting started setting Josie up as the big villain in the season. Um, but I find it hard to believe that her turkey is the one thing that lost the challenge for her team, which we got to a, a little bit earlier. Um, that maybe it wasn't that it wasn't like the teams were perfectly matched and then the turkey was the only thing that was bad, but that the turkey was such a foundational element that it was able to swing the difference, I think actually might make some sense. Yeah. Um, and if you look, I mean, looking at what dishes people were doing, like for instance, you know, CJ was maybe the leader of the people working on the turkey, but that was a multiple person dish. That's the that's the centerpiece of the meal. It's not just totally. one person made a side, you know. Yeah, um, CJ also definitely thought he deserved to win for the the turkey and his leadership. He he looked extremely disappointed well, when the soup uh, won, and yes. that is again not I, paying attention to what other people are doing. Not- I would say disappointed is a little generous. I mean, I'm sure he was feeling disappointed. He also kind of rolled his eyes. It was which such was, a douchey yeah. reaction. Yeah, 100%. Yes. Especially after the soup tasting incident. I yep. don't know. I yep. was just kind of, Yeah, if you waited until she was done to taste it and she invited you. Mm-hmm. Were we yeah. maybe judging him on like sort of like the objective amount of disappointment in his body, not like sort of like a density of, a, of uh, <laughs> disappointment? Because I feel like you have to kind of scale well, it down. Yeah, and also, like, when he rolls his eyes, they get so much higher than anyone else's eyes. Well, the air is thinner, so they sort of have freer <laughs> range of movement. Um, yeah, I, w- I just wish I'd heard more about the soup process and the meatballs because she just knocked those out of a park and didn't hear them. I do yeah. think we have, there are things to talk about with Carla that come up later. I believe, like, um, the way she talks is not as big of an issue as the fact that she's very messy in the kitchen, which is an issue on team challenges. Yes. And I believe there is a like mistake later of hers that like other people have to get punished for. And so I want to, but I could be remembering somebody else even. So I'm trying to, I'm going to hold back on that and see what happens later. Um, and now I guess the last thing to talk about from all of this <laughs> is the elimination. Um, so Kaniko went home for her potato pave, um, which I've never had a pave and it looks like I would like it as I do almost all the potato dishes. Um, yeah. When she was assembling it, I was like, wow, I would love to have that. Yeah. Yeah. It looks almost like the, the, you know, what is that called? The Spanish tortilla or, uh, of scalloped potatoes where it's just it like looked, a lot of thin little compressed layers. Yeah. Yeah. It looked like one of those, like a milfoy of potato or something. Yes. Is that what I'm thinking of? I also have been watching baking so. show. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but her main problem well, so it is time, and so you do you do sort of feel like she had two warnings on the clock already, mm. um, and did not seem like she was necessarily super interested in the clock. But the main thing she did today was she helped people, other people out on this team challenge, and then didn't have enough time to finish her own dish. And I'm sure I'm not the only one who's heartbroken by that. Yeah, most yeah. notably, she was helping John, who said specifically that her dish was very simple, and so he needed help with his very complicated dish. Yeah, with his and cornbread stuffing. Yes, I kind yes. of, I, I was a little bit skeptical of that. Like maybe he sort of convinced her that her dish was not as important, and she should be helping him. And from know. from minute one, she had jumped. He had jumped in. John had jumped in. Is like I'm going to utilize Kaniko's skills to my advantage and then did and then got her sent home for it yeah um, except that i i uh, yeah this is hard because there are a lot of power dynamics at play and you have to have an extremely strong 
sense of self and sense of your own importance in order to thrive in this particular cast dynamic. Yeah. yeah. However, I also think you need to take responsibility for not tasting your own food and for cutting through food that is raw. When you cut yeah, through totally. raw potato, it's a different experience than cooked potato. Yeah. So if you're obvious. serving yeah. up your pave and things are tough to cut, that is absolutely only your responsibility and tasting totally. your own food before you serve it to people still your responsibility yeah. Nico. i don't care how much time you spend on somebody else's yeah. stuff and as brooke said she's chef at commissar like she yeah. should know this stuff this yeah. is not yeah well, yeah yeah i mean her and her exit interview though was that she like would rather be a chef who went home early than a chef who didn't jump in to help people and if john was less conniving seeming about it maybe i would be more okay with that world it's just, it feels a little bit like a trap that she got into um but she is definitely one of the people from the show that from the history of the show where i feel like we did not get to see what could have been a brilliant season of cooking it just yeah yeah oh i totally really agree and i think it's something that like melts away and maybe it's just because we just watched an all-star season so like nobody's coming to this came to that season being uh, you know, like, oh, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to be here. Or maybe people are better than me. Like, I think a lot of those insecurities were less highlighted in the season yeah. we just experienced. But I do think this season, especially with bringing in these like former contestants, chef testants who are so all about how they already know how it's supposed to be. Like, there is this like dynamic within the chefs where people are constantly being condescended to and sort of utilized yeah. in this way that's yeah. totally gross it's um so gross. and it's hard to draw a line to be like you know this person got sort of like screwed over or this person genuinely made some mistakes that means that they should not be on the show anymore like it's yeah. hard to tease those apart yeah yeah and it seems like maybe from the other things that she had done with the clock it feels like maybe this show is just not for kaniko and that it, like it wouldn't even make sense to like if they called her Nastar for all stars, she might be like, you know what? I don't actually like cooking this way. I know what I'm doing and I don't like doing it in 42 minutes. Right. So yeah. we got to think about like, it's hard to say that like this happened so far ago. People just didn't understand top chef, but like it was, no, no, it wasn't as like, people didn't know how to play the game as well. Or not play the game, but like cook in the way top chef wants you to cook. I think it was still a little early on and that it was still going through that sort of evolution from whether it's a skill based or personality based. There's all the mm. sort of like lingering reality show s signs. And I yeah. think this is just one of those situations where she wasn't prepared for the types of skills that you need to sort of get through those early challenges. So you can get to the just like all out cooking f phase of the competition. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, the uh, last thing on this, I guess an update on um, the villain race was that at the end, after this happened, uh, Tsar, like in the in the group room, was real <laughs> shitty about her uh, messing this up, even though he was the one who was getting that help. So he was not particularly aware of it, which was very frustrating. And um, yeah, I mean, who like who does that when someone goes home they're like you know someone's like oh too bad well they really made a mistake like i don't <laughs> yeah. like I mean, no one needs that you don't unforced fill an error basically yeah, yeah. Like, for sure no one needs oh man that was so obnoxious that no, was very um, silly. Yeah. although so, as to your point top chef villainy i agree is made of unforced errors <laughs> there is nothing asking you to be a villain 
It is yeah. all on you, buddy. And just the, choosing um, not to be gracious about somebody on camera after they've been uh, yeah. ejected from the competition is just wild. Like, yes. why, 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 why? Yes, agree. Especially when she was helping you. Um, but uh, so I would say Stefan and 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 uh, John both took big steps ahead in the villain race today. In other races, my my lifelong desire to find positive things to say about any of these people. I have two updates on that. Number one, Josie coming to the defense of Kaneko at judge's table was solid. Um, after having ruined the team and caused this trouble, she did at least because Kaneko didn't seem like she was going to say anything about why, where her time went. Um, so at least um, it was nice of Josie to at least pop up and say something, even though it didn't end up helping. So one, one point for her. And then for Stefan, he was a cute kid. Yeah, they showed a picture of him as a child with long, long blonde hair, green overalls, and a green uh, turtleneck under the green overalls. It was, oh yeah, that's strong, strong, look. strong. It was blonde <laughs> Luigi, and I enjoyed it. Um, so <laughs> that's the nicest thing I can say about him so far. So that in a nice car. That's what I've got going for the the, the interesting thing about that um, that like Josie defense like judges table part uh, was I felt like was it uh padma that like maybe like was just like hey well we can just judge you on on what you did basically and i feel like she would have said similar stuff in later seasons but like maybe not in the same way like i feel like there's just general like i think she has i feel like she has general warmth for the chef testants a little bit more now maybe it's just that she likes the people oh, that interesting. are in cast but i don't know it felt it was like a little bit like oh it's a little, i don't know it, it feels it's you thought weird. it was a little cold a little yeah well i don't know just just different i guess like not not what i expected from how we've seen her and that's the weirdest thing about this is going back in time where at the time none of this struck me as weird uh yeah. but now it feels like the people are like unfinished i guess and like, we've just, seen her evolve further yeah yeah so it's weird to go back in time there's like a like a doctor who episode i guess but that i'm like remembering which were like uh, any, any other whovians on this yeah sure okay cool there, there basically there's one where like um uh, we first meet River Song, and like she's like has already sure. like uh, yeah like met face with the doctor had like this whole like thing with him, and it's just like he's like it's weird to see someone like basically like, unfinished. I think is what she was saying, like that 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 you you're used to them like having grown and like changed so much, and then to kind of go back in the place where it's like uh, a while back, uh, and there's a ways to go. That that's a weird thing, both like for any particular person on it that we're used to seeing so much, and then also for the show format itself, which is weird to it's weird to see it in this like nascent form a little bit. Uh, yeah. and, and like, I think making this slightly less enjoyable for me, uh, cause it's like the more it has so much more of the stuff that I don't like. Totally agree. Very well said. La- two more quick things before we go. Um, and I have, I have a question for the group. Also. Mm. Oh, okay. Well, why don't you do your question first? Oh, okay. Uh, my question is, I mean like, so I personally had a lot of fun being in the kitchens with Tom and Emerald. They're both great personalities. Both seem to be, uh, taking it lightly just sort of you know having fun feeding each other cornbread stuffing and yada 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 right um it struck me as however structurally weird that they had essentially executive chefs who were also judges and they didn't unlike a restaurant wars or something they didn't give the chefs much in the way of decision making power as far as what they were cooking or rely on them for who's doing what and menu planning and and you know kind of time planning and that sort of thing uh do you think that Tom and Emerald being there was useful for the out- outcome of this challenge? And, you know, what do you think it would have been like had they had to lead themselves as large groups of chefs? That's a great I, question. I think it would have been a disaster this early in the competition. Like getting 100%. Like, 
that many people and CJ and Stefan <laughs> and John, like everyone Jeez. trying to make dog, like getting everyone on the same page to make a complete meal would have been absolutely impossible for the third week of the show. Uh, totally. And the food would have suffered the, the hardworking people at, at jumpstart. Is that what it is? Fair start. Fair, Fair start. start. Like those people would have had such an awful meal and they would have been sitting there for so long eating two Thanksgivings. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's mid-July and your thank you present is back-to-back Thanksgiving dinners that you have to finish. Um, <laughs> they must have been sitting there for four hours. That's such a good point. I didn't even think of that. I think yeah, I know I, if you didn't have though like sort of like uh Tom, Tom and Emeril as like leads, I think you probably could have actually had like a, a constructive thing with all the chef testants, as long as you have basically like, okay, best uh like you know, best chef gets immunity, uh or like best best you know, best chef wins, but also there's like a prize for like like best helper, uh, or like 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 sort of like the the, oh. the chef congeniality I think uh like thing where it's like you get like the a, NBA Sixth Man Award yeah right so you get like this sort of like this like we're sponsored by Hamburger Helper and we're looking for the best helper also so you know uh there's a way there's basically could it itself to stay kind of thing where it's like you you incentivize that kind of like not just self interest of like being like you know like top but also like being like legitimately helpful for everyone I think that it would totally work. That's wow. interesting. I don't think they could have pulled that off. I, I like the idea of that award, but I still think I agree with uh, uh, Kyle's idea that this would have been pretty much a train wreck. I also think, in addition to how it would have affected them, we would have missed out on Tom and Emerald cooking, which is my favorite thing. It, it is a pretty Tom good and thing. Emerald run this and discuss their Thanksgiving traditions and having the having the themes be so clear and. Um, that great moment with uh, where Siege is describing the stuffing of Tom's as being like a family tradition. And they're like, I don't think this goes back a hundred years using foie gras in your stuffing. Like the, the, but the, the ribbing at Tom of that and just yes. um, Tom and Emerald discussing each other's plan, even in the initial scurry to get ingredients where Tom grabbed 100% of the fresh herbs in the kitchen. <laughs> just all of that was so delightful that the idea of switching that out, for a train wreck where CJ bosses people around would be just like a double bummer. So I'm really glad or a dumber, a doubler. Anyway, I'm glad they did it this way. I thought that was really fun. Um, all right. Two last quick things before we go. First, a question for our Seattleites from tall to Trenta. How Seattle was this episode? Yeah, I mean, I know where fair start was located. Yeah. I walked by okay. it every day. Yeah. Oh, okay. So like, okay. you know, but I, I will say it was never, it was not a place that I ever went uh, for yeah. better or for worse. It just wasn't on my radar. I feel right. kind of bad about that to be totally honest. Um, but other than that, I mean, I didn't, I didn't, I think the, the Kindle Amazon link was supposed to be Seattle. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh-huh. yeah. Uh-huh. Like remember when Amazon and Seattle were constantly in the same sentence together, I guess that was appropriate for 2012. Sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but like dumplings don't. I mean, they didn't. Yeah, there's just the there's so many more Seattle yeah. food things that, that like had nothing. Yeah. No. So if you were a, if you were a size of you know uh, Pike Place drip coffee, what size would you be? It sounds mm. like you're saying the small tall that they don't put on the menu. Short. Oh, you're saying it's yeah. below tall. Yeah. Your secret the one short you can, size. The one you can ask for, but they won't tell you they sell you. Basically, mm. you're, this is kid size. Secret kids, kids you used size. To call them um, short. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, short. Secret short. Wow, that's the that's very low. Yeah, if you order an espresso campana, if you're insufferable like me, they'll put <laughs> they'll put it in the cup size that I'm. Is talking that espresso about. with bread? 
man. No, it's, cream. Uh, whipped cream. No, it's whipped cream. Oh, whipped cream. Okay. Just pour that's espresso cool. over some whipped cream. You're done. It's great. It's good because uh, espresso no, you... con pan sounds really weird. Or you put the whipped cream on top of the espresso. Yes, you do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so. I would think so. Um, so um, in case you're wondering, also, Tanya, in, in Italian, insufferable is insupportabile. Great. Great <laughs> so, news. So, yeah. I'm going to get wild guess here that she was not wondering. Well, now you get to hear what they're saying to you afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they keep yelling at me All whenever I go to Italy. Speaking yeah, the classic Italian Starbucks baristas. Uh, well, if you uh, if you order espresso compana, they are re- literally required to uh, call you that. So, <laughs> I think that's a United States thing that they would call me. I've, I feel like if I went to Italy and ordered an espresso con pana, they'd be like, fine. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it seems nice. It seems Benic. like you're just doing the creaming and the sugaring of your espresso in one, one spoon. It seems nice. And yeah, and you, and you achieved like, you know, the <laughs> Lizzie, did you achieve the, that high watermark of half, <laughs> half pana to half espresso? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna miss this when Lizzie gets eliminated. <laughs> new, new Sarah, do you have any other uh, thoughts on the Seattleness of this? Since you're the only one to Hats Restaurant. Oh yes. Um, I also think this wasn't a particularly Seattle-specific challenge, although it was lovely to highlight a local organization that does good in the community. Um, I think my biggest, the biggest missed opportunity in this episode to me was the quick fire because they set up this whole thing about dumplings, and I was like. Oh, I forget. Do they go to the international district? And they didn't. And no, it just seemed like the opportunity to to highlight like this incredibly vibrant community that's a huge part of Seattle. And they just I have had good. very good dumplings in Seattle. So if they made even just said, you know, one of the things Seattle is known for, but they just didn't say anything about it. They were no. just like, here's some yeah. Um and also I feel like Chef Hat is fun and I would have liked to have heard literally one thing from him. If he said anything about himself or Seattle, I would have been interested. But he's in a Masters, right? He's in an episode of Masters. I don't he think is. he oh, did yeah. very well, but there is more of Chef Hat to be had in the Top Chef. Yeah, yeah, I definitely recognize him, so I knew he'd been around more. But like, just in terms of like making this Seattle, like I just want them to care. Ugh. Anyway, okay, we're, we're agreeing on a short amount of Seattle. All right, lastly, two more quick jaunts from the mailbag um james by email these are unrelated to today's episode so i just want to throw these in here at the end james by email says thanks for doing a rewatch of the seattle season this is one of my favorite seasons and i was lucky to visit again uh pre-pandemic in january um i meant to pass this along when you guys were wrapping up all-star season but has anyone mentioned the small pop-up that opened in philly called the top chef quick fire kitchen have we discussed no. top chef quick fire kitchen? Uh-uh. this is what news is to this? me Opened yeah. in February, led by Eddie Money and Nick from season eleven, um, which um, doesn't make up that for tell you. Nina yeah. being robbed by uh, for, of the title. Um, but James said uh, they went there literally days before the the shutdown uh, happened. And aside from the novelty, I thought it was actually a great idea. I had the Hubert Keller mac and cheese and Chef Sarah's matzo ball soup via Hong Kong at the end of the Kentucky season. Both Aww. were two of my favorite food memories before eating was banned. Um, <laughs> so uh, I hope you guys get a chance to visit Philly and that this survives um, and I'm looking forward to some Kristen Kitsch domination on this season James so yeah I had not heard of that but I I think it's a really cool idea and I don't know how it works with like getting those chefs to contribute their dishes to the restaurant but I that's really cool yeah 
Um, I'm, I'm a little surprised there isn't like a Top Chef restaurant concept because there definitely is like the Hell's Kitchen restaurant in Las Vegas. It seems like they could probably. Well, here's. I, sorry, I no, just realized yeah, why this is the case. It's because then Bravo would be getting all the money and these are chefs who all have small businesses and so what they do is they yeah. bounce off their own fame and like you know you see if you follow top chef instagram these chefs are friends with each other as a result of the show but also market together on various yeah. cooking classes restaurants yeah. pop-ups whatever very smart because they want the money they don't want totally. bravo to have the money that's a good point i like that and, um, you know, bravo's already in their own like failing linear tv business they don't need to get into another rapidly failing <laughs> yeah. business like restaurants hey, Actually, I got a great money-making idea let's open up a pop-up restaurant yeah like, they're already of, trying to um, pivot to streaming in all kinds of weird ways speaking so. of bravo failing though at other verticals um this episode featured in the background i don't know if you guys noticed this um the box in the stew room was labeled topchefwines.com mm-hmm. which does not exist anymore Ooh. so oh, no. that feels this right. was part of a brief foray into the wine business from top chef and turlato said no no you can't <laughs> crushed to death which i assume they were just like turlato wines with a new label um they weren't buying vineyards or anything but anyway that was a fun little failed business in the background one more email from bridget uh who says holy moly is great <laughs> yeah yes! Thank you. Welcome to the family. (laughs) Thanks for doing the interim episode. I would never have watched it otherwise. Uh, Also, I watched the first two episodes of The Friend I was with when uh, we watched the diving range hole. Oh, yeah. And my friend was like, oh, the the good diver isn't happy and doesn't get that this is a joke. And I had to explain that is the joke. Uh, He is an actor. So (laughs) he he is an actor and it gets funnier the more times they do that hole. Yeah, the one time (laughs) doing the diving range hole is funny, but the second time (laughs) is really great. So far. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're thorough. They really I, also I it like it so to much. go back and watch a bunch of Greg Luganis diving and that was oh fun my too. God. God. Yeah, so having that level of a diver judging and then having uh Steve uh Gutenberg, Steve Gutenberg going Steve Gut- off going off yeah my my favorite is that he when i think he called one of the dives from the professional diver disgusting and that's such a <laughs> funny word. <laughs> It's so good. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, one of my favorite holes uh, on the show. So I'm glad we were able to share that with you, Bridget. I'm glad people are. I convinced my little sister to watch this too. We were talking about the diving hole last night too. Um, so we've we've spread the word on Holy Moly. Anybody else watching MTV's The Challenge? Yeah, maybe look at that. Oof, I don't know, guys. It is, it's wild. It is There's wild. Like a... What's no, the challenge? What like what? What is their challenge? Yeah. It used to be called Real World Road Rules Challenge, oh, but basically uh, it's okay. a series of insane physical challenges where yeah. the group is way too many reality TV stars on the TV, and they're all just like it, it. There's a crazy Machiavellian game going on with like social engineering of of how they're aligning with each other, and um, yeah, it's it's amazing. It is That's pretty fun. great. Uh, as a sneak peek, one challenge was them dropping boxes of powdered paint out of helicopters to try to hit a particular target. Oh, like, that seems like a fun game. I'd do that. Yeah, there's just a uh, yeah, it's a lot of a lot of fun fun games to watch on TV. Okay, cool. Well, maybe I'll check that out. Um, if anybody else wants to write in, you can send us all of your feedback at uh, mailbag at packyourmics.com. We're also on socials. Um, before we go, um, you already knew this was coming, Chris, but you should not have helped me write that introduction. You didn't have time. You know, I'd your own rather takes. be someone who gets eliminated nigh every week for helping out <laughs> than for someone who actually does what they're here to do. 
Well, I appreciate your self-sacrifice. Pack your mics. Stay home, please. Everybody else, thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back again next week, uh, continuing on with Season 10. Uh, and I really appreciate everyone who's hanging out and doing this rewatch with us. Thanks for uh, thanks for being here, New Sarah and Kyle. Uh, make love, not cornbread? What? <laughs> make cornbread, <laughs> not war. <laughs> your version is way dirtier. Um, put down that cornbread, cornbread pan. I make cornbread if you want. I really messed that up. <laughs> <laughs> make love and or cornbread. Um, also, thanks for being here, Chris and Tanya. You bet. Keep considering cummerbunds, I guess. Ezra and Sarah, it's lovely talking to you guys. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out, Megan. Thank you. Uh, We'll talk to everybody next week. Uh, Goodbye.